You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. Welcome to It's My Money. It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth and Brenthurst Wealth is South Africa's top boutique wealth manager with me to look forward to 2023 and a little bit back as well is Aaron Ruckenberg. Aaron, how tough was 2022 for you as a private financier, wealth manager, whatever you want to call it? Was it difficult? Hi, Lindsay, and hi to your listeners. It was a very difficult year, to say the least. But it's definitely not been the most difficult year in markets. But that's the thing. The word is something like when you just think about the last year and you forget about the last 10 years. And essentially, you know, last year was bad. So you have that to remember. You have that to remember by. And um, it was not good. So, you know, investors and who I deal with people, you know, there are some of them that are very short-term mindsets, have short-term mindsets, they have their cell phone on their hand, they have their computer in front of them, you know, not like the old days where you couldn't see everything in the palm of your hand. So it was a difficult year from that perspective, but nothing to be surprised by. Well, I suppose there was a war, which was quite surprising, but, um, you know, the actual market movements. And this brings me to the point now of your article, which you kindly sent me, which is the basis of this podcast. It says tips to make most of your money in 2023. Now, nothing changes. It doesn't matter what the markets are doing. It doesn't matter what interest rates or inflation are doing. The fact is that to make the most of your money is a constant, whether it be a good, bad, indifferent, fantastic year, doesn't it? So you have to stick to certain principles. And I know that's a theme whenever I speak to you or any of your colleagues at Brenthurst Wealth. That's what you drum into people. You say, okay, stop looking at that thing in the palm of your hand and just get on with it. And this is what you should be doing. And this is what we always advocate at Brenthurst Wealth. Exactly, Lindsay. You know, like I was going to say as well, in order to make a return, you need to take a risk. But you have to understand markets just don't go up in a straight line. The whole point of generating a good return is also going through the difficult days. You know, there wouldn't be sunshine if it weren't for rain. There wouldn't be happiness if there weren't for pain. It's an old saying, and I think to myself all the time, well, you know what? If you can invest more when there's a downturn and you've got a long-term time horizon, that's great. Because if you look at the last few years, it's been – Almost part of it was artificially inflated returns due to money printing, you know, stimulus. And what goes up too much has to come down to equilibrium. The S&P 500 has done 10 to 12% over the last 100 plus years. When you're getting a 28 and a 38% return two years in a row, obviously you have to come back to equilibrium. So I wanted to create this article that I wrote and, you know, I'm discussing here just to remind investors to go back to the basics and, you know, have a few tips. I mean, these are my favorite tips that I suggested in what I wrote here that I use in my own personal life, you know, just to remain grounded. And that started with consistency, you know. Yeah, that's your first point. Let me just read your first Mm. sentence if I can. It says, okay, number one, consistency. Consistency, you say, is key to anything in life from going to the gym to brushing your teeth. So in other words, you don't just go to the gym just because you've signed up in January and you're feeling all good about yourself. And then in February, you give it up. So you've got to be consistent. Exactly. And that's what we do. We go to the gym. We run on the treadmill. If, if, If losing weight, for example, is part of what you're trying to achieve and you come home and what do you see in the mirror you see nothing so you do it again the next day and you do it again for a week some even for a month but they look every single day for a month and they see nothing now obviously just like a diversified portfolio to use the metaphor you need to have a little bit of a balanced diet go to the gym 
you know, there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the whole point is that if you go to the gym and have a decent enough diet and do it every day and believe in the regime, you know, that consistency matters, over time, especially with losing weight, you know, it doesn't have to be as long-term as an investment in itself, but the point is you will lose weight and you will see something in the mirror well, well into the year. And that's not really a long time. So with investing, it's the same thing. If you can automate your investments and just let them buy more units or buy more shares when the markets are down, buy less when the markets are up, reinvest the dividends, and forget the noise in the palm of your phone, enjoy your life, then you know the noise of today will be long forgotten. But the regret of, oh, I should have done this, when you look at previous returns, will always remain. Very good point. And just going back on one thing you said, when you go to the gym and you're on your diet and then you look in the mirror and you see nothing, let me tell you something, Aaron. When I look in the mirror, I see a lot, which disturbs me <laughs> greatly. Okay, tip number two, limit the luxuries. In other words, don't splash out. Exactly. So look, for me, you will see people that have written things before, you know, all over the world. You know, if you had to buy one coffee a day, whether it's in Europe, the UK, or South Africa, call it a 27 rand coffee in South Africa every single day. If you had to put that into an investment in equity over time at a 10% return, this is how much you would have. Fine. I'm not saying go, you know, not buy a coffee every single day, but, you know, buy your coffee. Buy three times a week. It's something that makes you happy. And limiting the smaller luxuries, you know, to an extent is going to make you happy, but limiting them all the way. In fact, not going to buy coffee is not going to make you happy. And I read a book and I'll speak about it again just now, but it basically said you can only, you know, limit something for 27 rand a day, you know, or limit certain luxuries to a point. Now, within what I'm trying to say here is rather try and make 2,700 rand more a month via a side hustle, garage sale, it doesn't matter what it is, earning more money will help you rather than trying to limit and be too frugal. So I speak about then going and buying fancy cars and houses because there's two types of luxuries. This is buying your coffee every day. That makes you happy. Don't stop doing that. Make sure you're automating your investments and saving them every single month. But what I'm actually also referring to is buying the fancy houses and cars, which is mainly financed by debt and other expensive luxuries, you know, which you use all the time, you pamper yourselves, you get a salary at work, and then you decide, well, an increase at work or a bonus, and you decide to spend on more luxuries. And yes, they make you happy for a certain point. But then what's called hedonic adaptation comes in where, you know, you get that promotion and that bonus, and then you buy more stuff, but then you go back to that base level of happiness. So you want more. So I'm saying, you know, don't buy a big four bedroom house if there's just two of you. You know, because you've still got to maintain the garden. There's still electricity and levies to pay. You know, rather do what's important to you. And if something else, for example, travel is important to you, don't buy an expensive and fancy car. But again, it's all financed by debt. And all I'm saying is don't buy too many fancy things that you don't need because you'll always be financing them via debt. Rather buy things, yeah. you know, that will make your memories last for, you know, for, for a lifetime. If you can afford to have a little bit of luxury here and there, then I would suggest you would because mm. it does make you feel happy. And you use the coffee example. The lipstick effect is also an interesting one which has been studied over the years. During tough times, for example, I'm not being sexist here, but a woman will uh, not maybe be able to afford a branded handbag or designer clothing. So it's been shown that buying an expensive lipstick, for example, 
gives you that sense of luxury and makes you feel good. So just limit them, as you quite rightly say. Right, we've got to move on now to one that I don't quite understand. It says here, use money to buy time. And I'll give you the first sentence. You say, a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that spending money to save time makes you happier than spending money on material goods. What do you mean by that? So, I mean, basically, you know, spending money on saving time instead of trying to do too many things yourself and not focusing on maybe a side hustle and your current job to make more money, whichever or the both of them. For example, commuting to work. I put a link there from Time Magazine. Your life is terrible because you're a commuter. And um, from psychology today, commuting is the stress that doesn't pay. So basically, that time that you're commuting or paying somebody to help clean your home, whether it's every five days a week or three days a week, so you can spend time trying to make more money or learn something that might be able to make you money. Whatever that may be would make you not only happier, but would make you more money in the long term. Okay. You quote Warren Buffett as well right at the end of this point, uh, point number four. It says, do not save what is left after spending, but spend what is left after saving. It's a discipline that is very difficult to maintain. Very difficult to maintain. And that's why automating really helps. Because if everything's automated and you've got X, Y, Z left in your bank account, well then, okay, buy you know, that extra coffee or buy that watch or whatever it may be that you enjoy. Yeah. But you have to make the sacrifice. That's very important. You buy more of what you like. And funnily enough, that lipstick effect I read in this book, it was wonderful. A woman who spent quite a, a lot of money on, I think it was a Dolce & Gabbana shoes or it could have been Chanel shoes, I can't remember. But then she lives with a roommate and pays rent and doesn't really care to live by herself and you know she's not married or whatnot. And that gave her that sense of pride, but she really sacrificed elsewhere. So there's that part as well. Mm, very interesting. The human psychology is a, a maze of madness sometimes. Anyway, point number five, the final point, is headlined budget. And you say, not everyone likes to budget, myself included. For me to save money, minimalism works better than being a constant budgeter and tracking every expense. Explain more, please, Aaron. So, you know, with me, I'm not the biggest fan of budgeting. I prefer to see annually where my money has gone. Okay, on the odd occasion, yes, monthly, but I prefer, and yes, I've mentioned apps that you can use, like there's 227. Um, sometimes your bank also has an app. But the point is that just to understand, you know, whatever you're using, where your money is going. So that if for yourself, luxuries such as, you know, travel means something to you, but you're spending too much money on, you know, servicing debt, see what you can squash first or get rid of first so that you can travel more. Understanding, you know, everyone's different and what they want is different, but understanding where your money goes is going to be the first thing to help you, first of all, save money, and second of all, where you would like to spend it. And that's where the author of the book that I read, his name is Ramit Sethi, said, you know, there's a limit to how much you can cut and be frugal, but there's no limit to how much you can earn it. Frugality will only take you so far. You can only cut so much. That's why I don't like people to be unhappy rather spend the money on certain things that make them happy but you can always earn more and once you learn how well, obviously your money problems will disappear yes they will are you looking forward to the year i'm really looking forward to the year ahead i think um you know the markets are going to do better you can quote me on that i don't have a crystal ball yeah. but um from things that i've seen first five days of the year that generally close positive within the um, s p 500 on the first five trading days most of the time if i'm not mistaken uh, the years ended up you know, what goes down comes up, what goes up comes down. And I look forward to the year. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this uh, 
industry. Well said. Me on my well said, Aaron, and thanks very much for a great analysis. That's Aaron Ruttenberg from Brenthurst Wealth, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.